Welcome to the WP SEO Show, brought to you by SEO Hive, your proactive white label SEO partner. The WP SEO Show is all about talking WordPress and SEO from optimizations, structures, setups, and plugins. We explore how to make your WordPress website perform better in the search engines. Here are your hosts, Pete Everett and Jeff Patch. Hello and welcome to this episode of the WP SEO Show. I am your co-host Pete and I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Mr. Jeffrey Patch, all the way from California. How are you doing, mate? Who is quickly silencing his phone because he did not do that before. And, in, and you know, nobody ever bugs me until I'm doing something like that's recording or whatever. So, you know, it's like it'll just go nonstop. Actually, we already had our kind of team meeting today and my phone and my watch was going off nonstop. Like you were talking and I'm going, okay, pay attention, pay attention to Pete. Don't get sidetracked by my watch. I know it's nothing important, blah, blah, blah. But oh my goodness, I was getting, every, I was going everywhere today trying to block all notifications. So there's silence. Nobody can bug me now. Uh, I'm good. How are this, you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But this is where, <laughs> this is where custom um, do not disturb profiles come in on, on my iPhone. So I, I actually get like, I, I get uh shouted at from the house because i have like somebody's whatsapp me for something and they haven't seen me i'm like yeah but it, it's like my calendar says that i've got a meeting now and maybe i do maybe i don't or maybe maybe you know the the thing was scheduled for an hour but it only lasted 20 minutes but yeah i still don't get anything until after the until after the the calendar notifications done so yeah i'm kind of the other way um when there's something in the diary i get nothing <laughs> absolutely nothing <laughs> uh the digital age is is on top of all the stuff i am it's it, there's so much of it that as soon as you get one thing set up, another app is coming in there. So I don't know. One of these days I'll get to the bottom of it all, get it all handled. You know, we'll see. We'll get there. Well, so we, you know, while we were having our chat earlier, we were just talking about how actually we seem to be both getting quite busy on the run up to Christmas. And yeah, you know, uh, some people often say they're quieting down at this time of year, but that's that doesn't seem to be our experience at the minute, which is all good. No, and it's never it's actually never been my experience. The busiest time of the year has always been the end of the year for some reason. Um and I don't I, I honestly I really don't understand it cuz that doesn't seem industry wide, but that just seems what happens to me every year. On one hand, I would expect say January or February to pick up and they and I think they do because, you know, everyone's new year's resolution is either go to the gym or start a new business in this in this day and age. So, <laughs> You know, I mean, if you're not uh, if you're not running a gym, I would recommend you get ready to build people websites for the new businesses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's not kind of like a solid business plan. Um, no, but, probably not. No, <laughs> probably, probably not. not. <laughs> I wouldn't go trying to find like VC investment on on a plan like that. If I'm being no, honest, no, 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 but no. Uh, yeah, no, we we have a we have a similar kind of thing. We we generally find that. Um, like May, June, July are our quietest months of the year. Mm. And then in the UK, at least anyway, by the time you get to the end of August, schools are going back, people start thinking about Christmas, they pick up the business again, wanting to finish the year strong. And then that tips over into January where people are wanting to start the year strong. And then they get to April and they kind of hit their stride and we, we get a bit quieter for a few months. So um, yeah, it's 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 always always a fun time of year, that kind of sprint between kind of mid-October and Christmas. Yeah. Well, one nice thing I see happening a lot of a lot of times at the end of the year with uh, some customers, bigger customers usually, is they've got budget to spend. And mm. that may, I mean, that may or may not be projects, but some of them, and, and I mean, I'm not saying go, 
approach all your clients, try to talk them into this or anything. But, you know, if you feel that they might be a good fit, ask them, hey, if you've got some budget you've left over, do you want to pay your invoice for the year ahead of time? <laughs> some people like to do that at the end of the year because um, yeah. it'll save them in taxes. And, you know, it's a I mean, I guess it could hurt you in taxes, but it could be a nice end of year uh, boost to your cash flow, too. It, it It's definitely worth something that's worth having in mind at this time of year uh, even if it's to say in in my agency we we do allow uh clients to uh, buy blocks of hours from time to time so mm -hmm. if clients do have unused budget then maybe they could buy a couple of blocks of hours so that they have them in advance for next year but also if people are having discussions with you about projects and wanting to uh, you know, if budget's becoming an issue, you just being proactive and saying, well, look, if, if it's not going to fit into the 2023 budget, what about we get this schedule for 2024? We'll just take a deposit now so that we're, you know, you don't need to pay for it all. Um, but we can guarantee you X, Y, Z slot come come January. And, uh, you know, some, sometimes just having the flexibility like that can be enough to win you a project, particularly if it's becoming between you and somebody that's a bit more, um, I was going to say desperate for the cash, but maybe I don't quite <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the best way to describe it. But yeah, I mean, some I mean, everybody has their own pricing structure, and you know, some people change every time, depending on how much they need and how fast. <laughs> well, so to get on to today's topic, we yeah. are kind of. We're, this is going to be one of those overlap episodes. You know, sometimes we're going to have some episodes that are very much WordPress focused. Other times we're going to have episodes that are very much FCO focused. And sometimes we're going to have episodes where they literally collide together. And that's kind of where we are today. Because we're going to be exploring all about post types, categories, and taxonomies, and how you can use those for to, to help you with SEO. So we're going to strip it right down to begin with. And firstly, just look at, it might sound basic, but what is a post type? What is a category? And what is a taxonomy? Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to hearing some more of your, we were talking about this earlier, some more of your kind of tips and thoughts about this, because I've always approached this from the agency or the developer stand or side of things, never taking SEO into consideration. I mean, at least as far as like a, let me, let me rephrase that. Not, not taking SEO into consideration, but not taking SEO services into consideration. Meaning we weren't, you know, being, um, you know, we weren't scoped to do that. We, we weren't agreed to be doing any SEO, but I still feel that obviously when you're building a site, there's still some minimum kind of like SEO basics you apply. And we've kind of talked about them, you know, setting, uh, you know, making sure search engines aren't blocked and, you know, the titles are being uh, added in there. And one of the big ones that I see left open so many times, so, so, so many times. And in fact, on lots of sites that, you know, we inherit here too, is just a wide open view, um, indexing of all the categories, all the tags or taxonomies and every custom post type that's on that site. And a lot of times there isn't a custom post type, but there is because <laughs> of the tools that they've used. Yeah. So sometimes you see like, you oh, know, yeah custom layouts or beaver builder things just for an example um you know things that are really tools for you to build the site are being shown sometimes um a lot of like really silly things that get overlooked and so just coming from a like i said so this again this is not like from the seo expertise like trying to perfect the seo this is just trying to make the site kind of user usable in the i guess you know what i mean kind of a um 
you know, can, uh, CRO was, what am I, what's the term I'm looking for? Help, help my, uh, my fleeting mind right now. <laughs> well, Optimization. I, yeah. Um, no, I, I it, look, so at, at their bare minimum, post types, categories, taxonomies, they're all different ways of categorizing information. Yeah. And I, I mean, let's, let, let's put this out there right from, right from the start. You, Post types are the top level, the top level ways of, of filing information. You know, WordPress typically has two big ones, which are pages and posts. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. Loads of the tools use them for, for other things. Um, page builders do, as you mentioned. Of course, you go and stick WooCommerce in there and you instantly get two or three new post types for, mm -hmm. for yep. products Those and all for post orders types. And, and all that kind of stuff. You know, orders, orders is one that people don't often think of as a post type. But actually, that's exactly what WooCommerce classes them as. That's how yep. they're displayed in the back end. Obviously, so, it's not public facing. It doesn't, you know, and, and those are like hardcore blocked from from going out there. But there's a lot of other things that just get put oh, out there yeah. publicly. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, the mistake we see with that is that people go in and set set their SEO plugin like Yoast or, or uh, SEO Press or whatever they're deciding to use and simply set a blanket rule for all post types and they don't check the post types that it's going to apply to and that's when you start to get the start to get the issues um particularly if you're configuring the post type after you've done like the blanket settings in the uh in the in the seo plugin so you know you, you've, you've set to view all and then you go and add in something like like a beaver builder and hey presto their templates post type is is available to for public view for example i don't actually know if that'd work but i'm just using it as an example yeah it's a good um, example so so yeah so you have post types now they they really are the top of the tree aren't they that's that's like and and for what we're about to talk about when we get to the seo part at no point am I ever going to suggest that you should be creating dozens and dozens and dozens of different post types. No, 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 no. They, they're the top of the tree. Yeah. So, and, and it, if the data fits great. And so what we, like I was saying, you know, we kind of come at, we've come at for years from the developer side of things without the SEO in mind, but we still want to deliver a product that makes sense, that works right. And what we would normally do, and let's just use Yoast for an example. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I think that most agencies, most people building websites, they may not be doing this and you should. <laughs> it's, it's so simple. So you load up whatever your SEO plugin of choice. You go into the, the indexing or the site maps. Usually it's related to that. That's usually what they're talking about. And your pages, obviously you're putting pages on the site. Those need to be indexed. Um, posts, if you have blog posts, obviously those need to be indexed. But then with posts specifically, and other post types, but post specifically just from the start. You have authors, you have categories, you have tags. And depending on how the how big the blog is, how many things have been added in there, how old it is, there could be a lot of categories. There could be there could be none. There could be one. There could be one that's just called news and there's three blog posts. Mm -hmm. Well, in that case, we would actually take the news category out of the sitemap. We, the blog is still in there. The articles are still being indexed, but the category page that shows those three articles, that's not being indexed because that's the same as the blog right now. There's only three articles. If there's 30 and there's multiple categories, that's a different story. And, and the same can go for any type of post type. A, a good post type would be like portfolio pieces 
or galleries or events. Those are, those are good things that you probably do want to break out of your post and your pages and things. And then you get more flexibility of what you're indexing, how much content is in each category, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. And, you know, to full clarity, if you're looking at this episode on our website, we have podcast episodes lift, listed within their own post type in WordPress. That's exactly that's exactly where we file mm -hmm. them. So when we're going to go and create a new podcast, we don't go into posts, we don't go into pages, we go into podcasts, and then we create new. And it, I think, well, I mean, you did touch on this, although you didn't, I guess, use the word capabilities. But when you're setting up a new post type, you have the option to give it the right. capabilities of a page, sometimes called hierarchical. And then you have the or the opportunity to give it um, the capabilities of a post, which means that it can have taxonomies, tags, etc, all those other things that you that you mentioned. Yeah, and every version in between you can you can there's dozens of options oh, yeah. on how you can describe them do they get um are they searchable or you know do they have categories i mean there's yeah there's tons of things do they get a featured image so i mean we're not going to go into all of that but yeah they're very powerful very flexible and the most important one what dash icon are you going to use <laughs> it's probably the one i spend the most time on whenever i'm setting <laughs> one up to be honest <laughs> So I usually just like click one and then I'm like, nope, I hate that. I got to fix it. Nope. Mm. <laughs> so you're dead right. They're, they're the top of the tree. They're like the, almost like the content types, if you like, is, is maybe a good way of, of looking at post types. And you, you do want to be slightly sparing with post types themselves. You know, they are, as we say, they're, they're the top of the sort of administration tree, but they, if you have too many of these in WordPress, then you will start to make the back end kind of very cluttered and quite unusable you know you're unsure where things are so you need to be clear and concise about the post types that you're using now before we move on what is your preferred method of creating custom post types okay so this might be a hot topic but we actually we just used a cpt ui post uh plugin but you just recently let me know that this is included in ACF now. And I didn't even realize that. Like, I don't, I feel so dumb because I've used ACF. I had a lifetime license for years and years and years. ACF, Advanced Custom Fields, which is what usually you pair with your custom post types to put the little, you know, boxes, the custom field, the custom data that you want in your post types. And before ACF didn't do that. So we had to use another plugin. Um, so that's, that's awesome. I mean, we're just obviously, or I'm personally not building many sites these days, so I haven't had to do it in, in a while, but, um, I'd much rather keep it in one tool. And the reason I say this could be a hot topic, it's not even about which plugin I use. It's about using a plugin versus just using the code and putting it in your trial frame. And th that is definitely the best practice. But the reason that I don't gravitate towards that is simply because of the nature of our, our, our business that we're working for other agencies that have usually built these sites in, in specific manner. So we're, you know, we're usually not kind of rebuilding those, you know, core infrastructure for them. Um, but it also gives us the flexibility of having somebody go in there and making edits quicker when needed. Versus having to edit the theme code, you know, I mean, let's be honest, if you have to load up a theme file and edit it in, you know, FTP or something, or even in the dashboard, that's probably more of a development task. It's probably requiring, you know, you to run a backup first and it's a lot more dangerous. You're having a higher, you know, level employee doing those type of things usually. So if it can be set with a couple clicks, that's a convenience that I'm happy to take usually. And absolutely. And, you know, for transparency, uh, well, I, I've not done a direct comparison between uh, a code, 
a, a site running post types through ACF and a site that isn't. Um, however, the, the the main thing with the post types is that they get written to the database anyway. So the the actual front end optimization, I don't think you, you're actually really changing the way that that works. This is all about how you administer it in the back end, really. That yeah. that's uh, that's that's the key. Now, of course, if you asked us this a year or so ago, how if you know if you're a purist and you don't want to put a plugin in there to do that, maybe you don't need ACF. So if you're only going to use it for a few post types, then then what's the point? Um, then I'd normally say go and look at generate WP. They have like a, a, a function builder in there and you can choose your options and this, that, and the other. But now of course we have the joys of chat GPT and Bard and whatever. <laughs> and you could just go and type a prompt in, I'm sure, and and get the code ready to copy and paste straight into your uh, functions file. Those but, generators are great though. The ones on you can just plug in the data, you know, or plug in the, the specific fields and it just generates the code for you. You add it to your trial theme, you're set. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But you're right. I mean, generating the code isn't the problem. The problem is if you have to go and edit it in the future where you yeah. don't have the UI on the top, if you're not comfortable with code and editing files and, and that kind of thing, then yeah, you, you, you kind of lined yourself up for a bit of a fail when you, when you get to that point. Yeah. Um, we have, we have a lot of old, like, like four or five plus year old sites that were all built with custom themes and they, you know, to maintain them, they're great. They, they run really well. They've been going forever. Um, you know, as long as like PHP code doesn't kind of change in the themes, they, they, they go great. But whenever those clients are very low maintenance sites, you know, clients only update things once or twice a year. But whenever they're like, hey, we need to update our hours. I mean, sometimes we will spend an hour trying to find where that develop, you know, developer years ago placed that code to update the hours in the footer. It's like, why make it so hard? I mean, it's, it's oh. good code. It's great. They did a great job, but it's, you know, to actually update that constantly in the future is a whole different story. <laughs> Tell me about it, but it can get so, I had to do this today. I had a client, a client, one of our uh, maintenance plan clients emailed me and said, um, we have a policy that's a PDF on our, on our website and we need it updating. We can't set it in the back end. Can you, can you do it? Here's the PDF. And we hadn't built the site. And you, sure enough, right in the bottom of the footer, there's a link next to the privacy policy, which links off to this PDF. Oh, the place that was buried in that they'd used a theme that was like based on Twig um, uh, and uh, that th then had views and then partials and then helpers. And then you, it took us ages to find the damn thing. Oh, all just to copy and paste the link in. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the slug of a file in. Um, anyway, when we did find it, we took the uh, the opportunity to set an options field for it. So now they can update it themselves to their heart's there content. We we never have to find it ever again. There you go. <laughs> I I had to kind of like politely correct a client the other day because I was explaining this to them. You know, I said, hey, look, you know, your, your developer used a framework and they built a child theme on top of that. And that's and that's fine. They, they, they didn't do anything wrong. The problem, though, is just things have evolved over five, six years. And, you know, they're like, oh, that's a bummer. I can't believe they did such a crappy job. I said, no, they did a fantastic job. They are a better developer than I am. I'll tell you that much right now. I can tell you by the code they've written, but they're not a they're not a better how to use WordPress for clients person than I am or how clients <laughs> use WordPress. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so that's. I think that kind of covers what a post type is um, and basically how to how to think about using them. So now we have categories and taxonomies. Now, before anybody says anything, categories in WordPress are a taxonomy called categories. Categories and taxonomies are the same thing. However, categories, particularly under posts, are 
something that the WordPress already has baked into it. It's a capability of a post type feel. Um, how, and a taxonomy is the thing that you can set so you can set up your own custom categories. But they are essentially the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I don't even want to elaborate because I've, I have written some code recently to, to deal with these and some of WordPress's code still refers to categories in that sense a lot of times and others refers to taxonomy. So it can get quite confusing. I don't think it needs to be discussed too much on this show, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think if we want to kind of keep it simple we can keep referring to categories in blog in the sense of blog posts and and tags because I think that's still the kind of common way to do it. But but yeah, ultimately in the core, when you actually peel back the code, they're the same thing. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so right, why why are we getting into this hot little mess? Right, so taxonomies or categories give you the ability to group information together in different ways. So, you know, we, we've already mentioned WooCommerce. If you're using an e-commerce store, it is natural that people think about the, cat the categories mm -hmm. as part of the navigation. So you maybe, I, I, when I, I've used it on the podcast before, I often use the example of shoes when we're, when we're talking about e-com because it's just, it's something everybody has to buy from time to time. You know, you, you visit the front end of the site, you'll have some products in there that you can go straight to product, but then you'll have a whole menu full of categories. You'll have men's, you'll have women's, you'll have training shoes, you'll have sports shoes, you'll have football boots, you'll have high heel shoes, you'll have stilettos, you'll have, I'm maybe giving too much out about my own, uh, my own browsing preferences. Uh, you guys would, <laughs> you would laugh if you saw Pete's stiletto collection. It is, <laughs> it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's indescribable is what it is. Um, Anyway, uh, you said you weren't going to mention that on the show. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> anyway the, in an e-commerce setting, it, it is just natural. People think that kind of way. And yet when we come out of e-commerce and come into a, some kind of lead generation site or brochure site, whatever it is, for some reason, people instantly forget that categories are even a thing. All logic goes out the window. It, it does, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when it's your own baby, it's all logic. It does. Whereas, actually, you know, if you think of the, if you think of the, the, the end post, whatever it, whatever that post type is, and in this instance of our thing here, it's a podcast episode. If you think of that as a product, then of course that can then sit within a category, and that category can have multiple products that all feed into a similar kind of. Um, a similar theme, a similar, ultimately into a similar authority group or cluster of content, which is where the SEO piece then starts to, to fit in. Now, before we go dive into the SEO piece, there's one other thing that's really important that I think you need to understand with this. And this is where when people set post types or categories or taxonomies, where I see they go wrong the most. And that is they fail to, or they forget that all of those things, post types, categories, and taxonomies will all default to use the archive template of your website, regardless of whether you've set that in code or through a page builder or some description, unless you set specific, um, uh, specific archive templates for each post type uh, or category or taxonomy. So why is that important? Well, 
because you can edit these things either through your builder or through code, it means that your your uh, index page, your um, you know your archive page, it's using that template. You can start to put other stuff on that page, so you can start to use these pages as indexable pieces of content in their own right. Um, so if you, again, if you go back to the product example, so you've got a, a product of um, training shoes, let's say, uh, or running shoes. Running shoes is a better example. You can have uh, all of the all of the different running shoes that you sell on your website on the page, but you can in, you can inject some content at the top and content at the bottom, uh, above the products, above or below the products, which will then give that page content so it can rank as its own URL. So rather than you just ranking or, you know, trying to rank random blog posts for types of training shoes or running shoes, you can have, you can actually use the category page to rank, which gets people straight to the product. That means that when you create that category page, you're not just creating a page that only has some text and some images on it, but it already has a whole, you know, wealth of products straight underneath it, a whole wealth of posts straight underneath it. So rather than creating a single page, you're creating part of that family tree instantly. You're like, it's like looking at a family tree and injecting a grandma somewhere. And uh, instantly they have children and grandchildren and great grandchildren and so on and so forth, because just because you put them there. So why does that, why is that important? Well, if we run with the shoes example, if we're still doing e-commerce, you know, you can have training shoes, you can have all those types of shoes that I mentioned. But then let's say you do your keyword research and you find that there's there's a really good converting keyword. It's got a good cost per click spend. It's got a decent amount of traffic. Um, you can see that the intent is transactional or commercial for pink shoes. Well, you know, you know you're not going to have pink shoes in your menu somewhere. Nobody's going to go through, you know, training, uh, training tennis football boots pink. It just doesn't, it just doesn't sit. But you can create a category of pink shoes and tag pink shoes from all different, you know, you might have a pink set of football boots next to a pink set of trainers, next to a pink set of squash shoes, whatever they might be. But you can instantly build that, that little cluster of content to do with pink shoes, ranking the category page and instantly having access to the products underneath it. So you then take that out of e-commerce and move it over to something like a brochure site for a, um, uh, let's say it's a brochure site for some kind of tradesperson, and you've got a services post type. And within that you do, I don't know, maybe they're an electrician and they do, you know, um, uh, indoor, indoor wiring, outdoor wiring, uh, house installs and meter replacement, let's say. You might then have a categories categories for commercial electrics and residential electrics, and then you can feed the services into whichever is commercial and residential, and actually write content on the category pages for residential and for uh, commercial. And then you can you can instantly have sub pages or you know um, sub content to those categories straight away. So you're you're re you. Ultimately, what you're really trying to do is use your existing content to its maximum effect so that you can build out new categories, new new authority parts of your website for particular keywords in particular areas using your existing content to prove your authority in them. I feel like I've said good, quite a lot. You have said quite <laughs> a lot. It's a, let's, all, let's all take that in. 
Okay, processed. All right. Je- Jeff can be the filter here. I've just blurted <laughs> out like idea. <laughs> well, I was going to say that I, I think a, another good way to look at it, if, like if this is feeling a little overwhelming or whatever, which it might be, you could think of it like a magazine or a newspaper website, right? Because all of that content, all those articles you're reading are always categorized. You know, it could be sports, it could be politics, it could be world news, you know, it could be science, it could be all kinds of things. And what you see, I mean, that's that's probably the best example I can think of, of the type of site that sucks you in mm-hmm. as a user. Just from the user standpoint, again, I'm not talking about SEO specifically, but it relates. And, you know, you finish an article about, I don't know, you know, about the, the latest Marvel movies and you see the tags or the categories at the bottom and it's, you know, other comic book movies. And you're like, oh, yeah, what, what other, you know, that they have on here? And you click that. And, yeah, you know you're going to get more articles about comic book movies. But if you can, what Pete's saying, you add, you know, on that archive template or however you're building it on your theme and whatever, you have that info on there. You put a couple paragraphs, some info about the comic book movies coming out and you've cemented this as a cornerstone piece of the site here. That's, you know, it's important enough to be linking to all of these. Here's what these are all about. It all reinforces each other. And it's, you know, it's kind of like we were saying a week or so ago with the, um, you know, linking to other posts. I mean, yes, you're linking to other posts, but you're also grouping it all together in the same manner too. And it's just cementing its importance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you can get creative with the way that you put content on those category pages as well. So you might have uh, an, an intro paragraph or two at the top, make sure that the title's in the H1, then an intro paragraph, maybe with a subhead in that that's got an H2. There's, that's how you get your keywords in. Then you might have your group of, uh, your, your list of, uh, posts so whether that's products or services or whatever the the custom post type is that you're pulling them from and then you might have underneath that like um frequently asked questions and they might all be in accordions for example or um you know uh, a video about it or whatever it, you know you, you can get creative with how you get the content on there that's that's not a problem but people seriously overlook the power of the archive template and how you can use that for categories and post types. And it is so easy to utilize that to demonstrate return back to your clients. It is, yeah. it is just, you know, it, or if it's your website to show return back to you. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just such one of the such untapped areas. And I know it doesn't sound very exciting. And I know anybody that's listened to 29 minutes of us talking about archive templates and, post types and taxonomies and whatever you, you know if you're with us thank you um, <laughs> but the the point the point really is that there's such an untapped potential there that allows you to easily easily create content that is already knitted into the infrastructure of a website because it sits between posts and content almost it's it's like this forgotten layer that is um you know, I've got this. I've got this image in my mind of. Um, <laughs> I have no idea why this is popping my head. Can you remember that episode of Friends? In fact, it's as we're recording this. It's coming up to Thanksgiving in the US, and it was an episode of Friends where Monica made a uh, Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, she made Ross a leftover sandwich with a moist maker in it. I don't know if you can remember that episode. With a with a what in it? Moist maker. Basically, it was an extra bit of bread covered in gravy. Oh, and okay. Ross took it to work. Somebody else. That ate sounds it. delicious. That's, that's not the point. the The point is, this is like the moist maker within WordPress. You can, you know, you 
You can have all what the an obscure reference, Pete. <laughs> I'd love to know how the AI is going to uh, is going to figure this one out in the transcription. <laughs> so next time you're building a site, just remember that moist maker. Remember the moist maker. Hey, that's I've got some jokes, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> not going to do it. I'm not going to say them. This is going to. This is recording, Jeff. This is recording. I know. I know. That's anyway. why I'm fighting so hard not to make the jokes. What, but what we now need is a seamless segue to get us out of this hole <laughs> that I've dove us into. <laughs> well, I, I'll I'll do that before I I get side two sidetracked. I can't believe I'm still on this. But um, a minute ago, you said that this is you know so uh, useful and it's it's in the infrastructure of WordPress, right? <laughs> Well, this might be a bit of a vent and a bit of a, you know, kind of outside thing. But like I said, we inherit a lot of sites. I can't tell you how many agencies or developers or whoever, whatever out there are never touching these things. And I'm not just talking about the SEO setup. I'm talking about building the archive templates. And Pete said it's built into the infrastructure. It is. <laughs> it's, oh, it's as ugly as hell. It, it's, it's, it's super basic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So... I can't tell you how many times I see sites and this is kind of a page. There's a fault of page builders in the sense that, you know, page builders have given so many people the power to create websites and that's great, but they aren't building the infrastructure. They're just building five pages. Right. And then they, they don't, the old client doesn't have a blog, so they don't build a blog or they don't have any blog posts yet. Right. And so they don't build it. And then they launch a site. Have they forgotten to disable the this is oh the the hello world post or this is a sample no. and that double that's the double thing because that's a good way to check if it's actually set up and looking good <laughs> absolutely <laughs> leave it there until you know it is then delete it so yeah so I've seen so many this is more of I guess a client um, you know trying to deliver a good product to a client but I can't tell you how many times the client goes to blog a month or two after their new site because they bought a WordPress site that's made for blogging and they can blog and that's one of the things that they were sold on it blah 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 and then the blog looks like total crap because nobody set it up nobody bothered and it's an archive that's the archive template you know or maybe they set up a blog with the page builder and then a new you know post type comes into play down the line and that's got to be done so set that stuff up at the theme level and let it grow with your site <laughs> well and as we've mentioned in previous in previous episodes you know, bake some of this stuff into your starter theme, into yeah. your starter setup, however you do it, like like you would a 404 template and a uh, like a default text template for like privacy policies and stuff like that. Just bake some of this stuff in so that you I'm not saying you can forget about it when you then spool it up, but at least you're part way down the journey. You're you know, you're you're halfway there um, and and then you're just pulling in you're pulling in other assets. But, um, yeah, you know, we we have a client that sells uh, CBD products, um, which I know isn't legal everywhere in the world, but it is here. And uh, they, you know, we did, we did exactly that. We, they, they were trying to get, I mean, for starters, their products were all over the shop in like 5,000 categories. So we tidied that up a little bit, but then the categories that were left, we put people, uh, we put content right at the top and the bottom, un- above and beneath the grid of products. The the content above was never particularly long. We're not, ta- you know, we're talking two, maybe three paragraphs, short paragraphs maximum. The bulk of the content went underneath the products in using different vices like like uh, accordions and things like that in order to get the word count in there. But the joy of that was that gave us so much indexable content on the page 
that had the product on it. You know, the if you're if you were then searching certain things about CBD or hemp hemp products, and you found one of these these category pages, you not only did you get the information that you wanted, but you were one click away from buying the flipping stuff. We couldn't get people any closer to the products uh, at a category kind of level. Um, and you know, you can do that with products, with categories, with uh, with different post types for services for your you know for other uh other clients for um as jeff mentioned you know if you're writing like newspaper type articles we built a website for a um for a fashion magazine here in the uk and you know they have like a hundred thousand visits a month and they have everything split into categories it's you know it and oh please 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 if you're going to go down this route or route, please remove the uncategorized category. Just, just better rid. tip: rename it to something good but still generic. Still, that, that'll do. Just please like don't news. Or, what I mean, it depends on the site, right? But yeah, like the news or updates or something like that. But so anything, it's so much better than uncategorized. That way, <laughs> at least if you still forget, because it's going to default. I'm not I'm sure if you can delete the uncategorized one. Actually, it might, it uh... might be required. But I know you can required. rename it. I know you can rename it. Yeah. Well, whatever you need to do, just do it. Just, just, yeah. but, or, or, you know, call it uncategorized. Do not use this category so that pe- <laughs> nobody ever uses it. Um, but yeah, please don't, or, or certainly don't go and leave it active or put the tag on your post. Here's the problem with, with using that category, if, particularly if you haven't renamed it, is that if, even if you're not using it right now, in a later date, if you go and create a new post template and then include the the slugs of the categories that um, or the taxonomies that that post is in, and you then go and apply that to all posts, anything that doesn't have a category is instantly going to be put, you know, is instantly publicly going to be in uncategorized, yeah. which just looks a bit shady and yeah. isn't, isn't great. So yeah, make sure you're using them properly. Um, but they, from an SEO point of view, I, I can't tell you how many times when we've sat down with clients and we've been trying to put an SEO strategy together and we've then said, well, why don't we create categories about this? And we'll do X, we'll do Y, you know, maybe we need a new post type. We can put this over here, that over there. We use category, insert a category level. And that's what the SEO, ultimately the SEO strategy will look on, uh, work on. And clients have looked bamboozled at us across the table and just said, why why have we never heard that before um and maybe it's because my background came from learning seo through e-commerce agencies and that's that's just the way it was ingrained into me and therefore that's the way i think about it but tell you it works well i think i mean i think like the ideal experience from from the visitor standpoint if we're looking at e-commerce right would be to land on a category page that doesn't feel like what we as wordpress people think is a category page you know, it's just as useful as any other shopping page on their site. And it tells you what it is. It has the info. It's got all the products you can, you, you know, I mean, if, if, if you land on that as a customer and you don't even realize that you're digging through their categories, that's a good example of a, you know, of, of a quality, I know page, not a page, it's a category, but from the visitor, they're looking at a page, you know, so I think it's a good way. Hey, I was just thinking back. Do you remember, um, I can't even think of how long ago this was common practice, but when everybody just used tags in blog posts to like, as like keywords, 
Yeah, and you had you used to have your tag cloud on the side of your side. The tag cloud. I forgot about yeah. that widget. It was like one of the built-in widgets with WordPress. And uh, it was the more you used to tag, it would get bigger font in this cloud. <laughs> yeah. God. Oh, what a pointless, pointless, pointless thing. <laughs> pointless point. Somebody developed that and was exceptionally proud of it. And not only that, they then managed to convince somebody at Automatic to include it within the uh, within the the WordPress theme. Oh, the WordPress install. Yeah. You know, I thought you were talking about tags, but you mean the tag cloud. Yeah, I can't tag imagine cloud, tag, yeah. how useful the tag cloud would really be these days. But, but you know, tags still, I see them more like, I don't want to say abused, but I still see that quite often. And it, and it's just pointless. And especially when you get creative on everyone and they're different, you know, like at least if you use them, if you, if you use tags consistently across, you know, posts or products or however, whatever you're doing, you know, you can create the same type of thing we're talking about categories or tags. They have an archive page, same, same concept. So you can use them well, but like, I would almost suggest, I'd almost, you'd rather not use tags unless you're going to use that strategy or you're not, you know, you're not having the archives indexed if, if they're just all over the place. So like, if you go to a category or an, or an archive page of any type, it needs to be useful. It needs to have more than like one yeah. post or product in it or whatnot, unless that's oh. all you sell in a product. Well, but if, if it's only got one in there, then why aren't you using that one as the indexable target, as the indexable True, item? yeah, true. Um, yeah, you don't want a category of one. but the, the And, you know, maybe two's a bit skinny as well. But by the time you start getting up to, you know, three, four, five, half a dozen different things that you can group together, then all of a sudden, that you, you know, that's that works. Now, that said, the caveat I would put on that is, you know what, if you've got if you're in a scenario whereby you're grouping together posts and you do end up with one that is a bit of a legacy one that just does only have one or two items in it, then run with it. Don't, you know, don't not do the strategy just because you might only, you might have one page that only has one post within yeah. a category. If, if it's, but I think what this really comes down to, and I know we've all done this, I know we all do this, but in an ideal world, before you get anywhere near development, this stuff would have all been thought through. Oh, um, what? Pre-planning? You know, no. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Content before the I site starts? No. I know it sounds exceptionally boring, but you know what? A developer shouldn't make these decisions. And here's why. Developers aren't normal people. I'm sorry to break that to you. Developers no. have a very specific way of thinking about things and that's brilliant that's that's exactly what they should have that's what makes them good developers but their logic isn't always i'm going to say they're like it's like i'm talking about a type of people I, my background was in development before i started with seo yeah, so I'm, I'm i identify of, as a developer <laughs> there you go so i'm talking about us as much as anybody else yeah that logic doesn't always work that way in the real world and we could spend hours talking about examples of ridiculous scenarios that we've got into because something made sense to a developer in the room on their own when they were developing it, listening to some kind of weird punk rock stuff in the, <laughs> in the background while they were, you know, and it made sense because they were not only were they coding that particular thing, but they were holding in, in their mind all of the css classes that they were needing to use or scss classes they were needing to use and all of the functions they were having to pull and how the object oriented stuff was working yada yada developers are insanely intelligent people but that intel there's a difference my dad always used to tell me there's a difference between intelligence and wisdom 
<laughs> you can find some exceptionally intelligent people that doesn't necessarily mean you want them to wire a plug and that's 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 basically what i'm getting at and that's why there should be this planning level that's why you should have the client involved if you're an agency because you really need their logic and how you can best apply what wordpress can do what the website can do back into their business and so really that's all this stuff should really be planned now i know that doesn't always work in practice don't get me i'm i'm not kind of look, i'm i'm mentioning like the unicorn product here uh, or unicorn project but in theory it does work a lot more seamlessly if you can consider it from the yeah start going forward I like how you started that by saying, I know you do. I know we do it because, I mean, we just found ourselves in that situation where we we, we put the emphasis on the design before project, project started. And then content was reshaped quite a bit throughout the project. And that meant various design elements, you know, kind of kind of fell off and things and because they just didn't fit anymore. And then that created a bit of a jarring initial response like whoa that wasn't what i was expecting and that's like well yeah i guess we probably should have planned the content out first and built around that and it not only from design from structure from seo from everything it can really help you yeah absolutely absolutely but you know we've all been there we've all done it and don't you don't kill yourself if if that's uh you know to to try and fit it into a process if it's if you've already started and it hasn't been done it, you sometimes you just got to live with these things but in the re yeah. in a ideal world that would be the way it would work and it becomes seamless again from from that point onwards um i often think it's it's worthwhile thinking about the unicorn projects and how your ideal process would work because if you have that mapped out from start to finish then when you get a project and you get partway through it and you realize something hasn't hasn't happened kind of or it needs to happen out of sync it's then not that difficult to sort of mentally backtrack and say okay right well at that point if we discussed this then we might have thought about that and if we'd done that then this would have happened and you can you can sort of almost expedite the process back to where you are so to to make the best of the situation if you know what i mean yeah um but uh, yeah, it's really good to think about that process from start to finish before, if you know, so you have it mapped out, even if most projects don't follow it to the letter. Yeah, pre-planning usually usually helps there. Hey, you know, one thing that just kind of popped in my head we didn't mention, but I think well, I think we alluded to it at the beginning, but was authors and author archives. These are just as these are another aspect of of archives that you know yeah. kind of default and. Again, kind of going back to my initial looking at it from a usability standpoint, and uh, you know, I generally think and see and apply that author pages are not or author archives are not useful for most sites. Um, but my example of like a newspaper or magazine or things where they're very very content rich, uh, you know, heavy and multi-authors, and the author itself is important. An, an author archive makes sense um yeah on a plumber's website that, that might have an seo team and then a developer and then maybe the client logging in and putting things just just hide the authors <laughs> yeah no you're right i mean th this this all does get contextual but there is that there's there's uh the google algorithm isn't structured in the way i'm about to talk about it but the yet but the way that a lot uh 
the way that SEO topics or strategy has been structured in the last sort of two or three years originally was to do with EAT, which was experience, authority, and trust. No, it wasn't. It was expertise, authority, and trust. And then about a year ago, start of 2023, it became EEAT, which was experience, expertise, authority, and trust. And one of the ways that, so the, the, exper, the, ex, the expertise part, I need to get this right around because I always get it confused. The expertise part. <laughs> this does my head in. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> why, why we couldn't come up with better words. Um, <laughs> the expertise part is very much about the individual. So what is their qualification? Why are they an authority on the whatever it is that's being spoken about? Now you're right. If you're if you're writing a site or you're building a site that is for a tradesman, a plumber, an electrician, a joiner, whatever it might be, a dentist, then your website basically becomes that tool that is demonstrating their expertise, their experience. So the you don't you therefore don't need an author's page quite as readily because the website is kind of structured in that way. Please have an about page where you detail who there are and their qualifications and this, that, and the other. But you don't need, you don't necessarily need an author page. So yeah, switch them off, de-index them, get rid of them. Absolutely. If however you fast forward and you, you're, we're talking about the newspaper website, for example, where you've got multiple authors, well then the, you know, you might have a specialist that is in uh, one particular area, you know, maybe that's health and safety or a particular part of law or a particular part of um, medical practice or uh, whatever it might be. That's where author pages become really valuable because then you can tag s uh, relevant content to that person, which builds up their profile of expertise to the search engines. So it's all contextual. That. It all depends on who the target site is for, the size of it, uh, what the structure of the client is, et cetera, et cetera. But author play pages definitely have a massive place in s for some people and are also basically irrelevant for others. I mean, it's, I think it really is as simple as just asking, asking yourself, will anybody care who wrote this article? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, oh, I'm being serious though. And if the answer is yes, then probably so then searching will matter. And if no, then yeah, there's no point to it. And then, you know, the reason, the reason that we're even talking about this is because we're trying to avoid duplicate content. And it's, you know, in this, in this sense, it's not always, you know, totally like a penalty. In fact, having it, having duplicate content like this isn't a penalty or else you wouldn't use these at all. But if it's just bouncing around on a, you know, a generic anonymous author's page or an uncategorized page, it's not doing anybody any favors. Absolutely. Absolutely. But essentially, this entire episode has been, like I mentioned earlier, about making sure you're using the existing content on your website to maximum SEO effect. And uh, that's, that's really, that's really the crux of this. Yeah. No tricks. <laughs> no, no, not no at secrets. All. It's just, uh, not at all. Good old fashioned hard work and a little, I don't want to say common sense, kind of, but. I thought you were going to say spit grit and a whole load of duct tape. Um, no. 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 <laughs> anyway, I think that, I think that about wraps us up for this, uh, this week's episode. So I hope you find it useful um, and that you've got some nuggets of information from it. Um, and, you know, I'd love to know if you've got any other interesting ways that you are using archive pages because, if you are, then I 
if you do have them, then I definitely want to talk to you because the vast majority of people I speak to in my life barely know they exist. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be great, great to, uh, great for you to reach out. Feel free to. Yeah. I think we just barely kind of really even crack the surface of what you can do on, on a page like that. I mean, we're just, you know, we're really just kind of looking at the, the bare minimum, you know, the basics and, and, and getting that in there because that's how you should, that's, that's the foot you need to launch sites on. That's the, you know, that's where you need to come in and, and get a site to and, and then let it grow from there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, it's, it's been a blast as always. Um, uh, well, I guess if we don't see you in the comments, uh, we will see you in the next episode, but if you're watching on YouTube and you, uh, are, uh, you know, you've enjoyed this episode, you want to know more about what we do and get notifications of future episodes, make sure you subscribe and hit that notification icon. And, uh, if you're listening in your, in a podcast player, make sure you subscribe in your podcast play, player of choice. Yes, um, yes. Please, please do both. We are uh, extremely blown away and kind of, I guess, honored and kind of, you know, really, uh, really, really surprised by the reaction and the, the downloads and subscribers and stuff. But if I'm being honest, I'm a little disappointed how few people are liking and subscribing on YouTube. So come on, help us out. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure you I mean, it really do- is disproportionate. The numbers are disproportionate. It really, it really <laughs> is disproportionate, actually. This is why we're somebody- putting so much work into the videos. I mean, <laughs> so, not really so much work, but it's, it's, it's extra work. <laughs> it's extra work. And, and, and yeah, somebody will go and see that we have like 17 subscribers on YouTube. And, uh, yeah. and think, yeah, yeah. What, what are you talking about? Um, but yeah, no, seriously, do, do two brothers a solid and uh, go and find us on YouTube. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Uh, SEOhive.co forward slash YouTube will get you directly to the channel. Cool. Right. Well, that's it for another show. And we will see you next Leo Stack. We'll see you then. The WP SEO show is brought to you by SEO Hive, your agency's proactive white label SEO partner. We understand that finding a reliable SEO supplier is key to ensuring you build stable monthly recurring revenue into your digital agency. At SEO Hive, we have a suite of products that will help you sell, scale and deliver your monthly SEO retainers, from our scout reports and one-off technical boosters, to our flagship local SEO and honeypot plans, all of which have clear pricing and monthly deliverables. If you want to explore how SEO Hive can help your agency deliver high-quality and reliable SEO agreements for your clients, you can find more information at seohive.co and schedule a call to discuss the next steps.